Welcome to Tag Talks Happy Hour with Ajit Kara. One part small talk, all parts real talk. This is the part of the day when Ajit gets to know the people behind the job titles at Tag. Hello, my name is Ajit Kara. Welcome to my happy hour. I decided to do this series of podcasts because many people have heard me say a number of times over that the biggest asset that I believe Tag has is its people. So I wanted to do a series of podcasts to really understand what makes those folks tick, what makes them fabulous people, and just spend some time with them. So welcome again to my happy hour. I'm joined today by a wonderful human being called Andrew Hall. He's our VP of Business Development in our craft business. He's come all the way from California, so I'm very much looking forward to spending some time with him. I'm also joined by Kaylee Stansfield, our producer. Hey, Kaylee, how are you doing? I'm well, Ajit. How are you? Not too bad. Mm-hmm. I see you're wearing the long earrings again. I always do. You know that. Yes, but she wears them shorter when she's not so happy. So <laughs> You know me well. I do. So anyway, welcome, Kaylee, again. Thank you for doing this. So I'm looking forward to spending my next conversation with Andrew. Andrew, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Cheers. Cheers. It's a little bit early in the morning, but it's never too early to have a gin and tonic, which I believe is your favorite drink of the day. It is one of my favorite drinks of the day. And also something I seem to be reintroducing to America because I feel like gin is having a revolution at the moment. And several people that I hang out with my neighbors are always like, oh, I hate gin and tonic. I'm like, what? Why? When is the last time you tried it? So do you want my tips for how to make the perfect gin and tonic? I, I actually would because I hadn't <laughs> thought about it until you said it, but you're completely right that it was always vodka here. And then now it's moved not just from gin, but the various different levels of gin yep. and lots of celebrity ownerships around gin. So what is the secret to making a good gin tea? So for me, first of all, knowing what kind of gin you like. So there's like a wheel thing. I'll have to see if I can find it so you can send it around with this. Yeah. And it has like, are you a floral person? Are you into the spices? Are you into more of the herby ones? There's like six different types of gin. So it's identifying the ones that you lean towards. It's like wine. You all have different flavors of wine that you like. So that's the first one, working out that. Then two, the tonic. So for me, just plain old Schweppes or Fever Tree, but go for the blue one. Is Slimline allowed? Yeah, I think the Fever Tree blue one is actually better than the yellow one because that's got way too much sugar in it. And it's almost like lemonade. And then for me, the garnish. It's all about what garnish goes right with that gin. So look it up. My personal favorite is grapefruit and rosemary in several gins. I love that. The actual fruit. Yeah, the actual fruit. So you slice it, especially if you get one that's like a herby one. You smash the rosemary a little bit with your hand and then you put the grapefruit in. So that's my favorite. And rim the glass with whatever you're using for the fruit because it adds a real nice flavor to the gin. So I'm now <laughs> quite craving a gin and tonic. I know. <laughs> Um, so we might have to go and find where we can get a gin and tonic. But when are we going to California? Exactly. Yes. And do you know what? I've actually discovered some really good American gins as well. I would recommend Grey Whale is one from California. Mulholland is like a ripoff of Hendrix gin, really cucumbery and a mass. There's three made in California that are amazing. But I did have, I can't remember where I was because we had quite a lot of it, but I had a Japanese gin. Oh yeah, like the Roku is one and I've had another one. That was astonishingly expensive, but very, very nice. (laughs) Back to you. Yeah, obviously, the folks on the call can tell that you have a British accent. Yep. So where are you from, Andrew? So I'm originally from a place called Chichester in West Sussex. I know it was. I'm the original Duke of Sussex. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, so that's where I grew up. I was there till I was about 18. And then I went away to university and then moved to London, where I spent, I think it was 21 years. 
before finally I moved to LA. It's almost three years to the day soon, in a week's time. I remember that happened. It was actually a leap of faith because you moved just before lockdown, if I remember. Mm -hmm. And having moved Constance, (laughs) it's not an easy thing to upload and leave your friends and family behind and come to another country. And you did it just before COVID and then went straight into a apartment and didn't leave that apartment for quite a considerable time. Yeah, so probably the first, it was nine months, I think it was, and I felt like a hotel because yeah. obviously everyone's like, oh, California, I'll come visit that. So I literally had just a constant stream of visitors. Yeah. So then I would meet local people and they'd be like, oh, let's do something. And I'm like, oh, I can't because I've got somebody else visiting yeah. me. So I feel like I didn't really make that many local friends. And then lockdown started. And then after, I think it was like the first four months, you could interact outdoors. And we have these like shared barbecue pits in the complex I live in. So I met several people at the barbecues and now I've got my own local. So in a way... I know it sounds bad, but lockdown for me was actually a positive thing because it made me actually meet local people and have my own set of friends now that I have in the area. So for me, it actually was, well, as good as it can be. No, no, I totally understand that. And it's actually brought all the communities together. And and Mm. I think lots of people, we found their families as well. You know, when you're spending a lot of time with family, you realize the good and the slight bad (laughs) when you're stuck with them for a long time. Now, from my own personal experience, for me, it was 14 months. And by 14 months... At the 14th month mark, and I came here for two to three years to come, and I fell in love with the country and realized that I wasn't going back. And I obviously didn't tell my mum and dad because they kept hoping I was going to come back. Mm-hmm. But in 14 months, I knew. Kaylee, what was your month that you knew that you weren't going to go I back? I think when I arrived here, I knew I wasn't going back. But at the 18-month mark, I thought, oh, yes, this feels like home. Right. So have you made that conclusion yet? Because you've been three years now and you seem very happy, but has that crossed your mind? I mean, have you fallen in love with this country and decided not to go back or? I don't know yet. I think, well, I met my partner, my boyfriend here about a year ago. So that certainly changed my mind. I think it was during lockdown, there was a period where I was definitely like, do you know what? I'm getting to the verge of like, I'm sick of this. Do I really want to? And then I started making my friends. So I think for me, it's been more like, after the two-year period, because right. then I started to have my own life here. And now that I've met him, I don't know what will happen. Who knows? Yeah. I don't have a crystal ball, but certainly at the moment, I'm loving it. And I always feel like when people come from home, they're like, God, your life here is amazing. Why on earth would you ever want to come back? And then it kind of reinvigorates you to feel like, yeah, you're right, actually. But I mean, I do love, I have to say, LA at first, when someone said the idea of moving, I was like, really? I don't know. I hear lots of negative things about it. But the more I've lived there, the more I just love it because the range of scenery, the stuff that's on your doorstep that you can do. This is an amazing country for sure. Mm. And hence, I fell in love with it. But what are the three things that you miss from good old Blighty? A sausage roll, 100% is number one. (laughs) Number one answer. When I went back at Christmas, I think I had one every day. (laughs) Um, What else do I miss from home? Oh, I'll leave the witness then. So I'd say my top three. Number one is chocolate. Mm, true. Number two is British back bacon, albeit Danish. Oh, yes. Yeah. And number three is Marmite. And many of the people on the phone will be saying, what the phone? <laughs> the cool. The many people will be saying, what's Marmite? But it's a, how would you describe Marmite? Is it a kind of yeast extract? It's a yeast extract, but I always, whenever I think of Marmite and when someone doesn't know, I get the vision of my German student friend that once came when I was younger and he was like, what is this earwax on toast? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, it is disgusting. But yeah, you can actually buy that in my local supermarket, oh, really? but it's really expensive. Yeah, no, it's no. like $10 a jar, but yeah, I love that. But I would say for me, my family would have to be one of the things I miss around home. Okay, I, do, I, yeah. I forgot to mention that. Oh, yeah, and my family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously, I love the family. 
I would say the other thing is that ability to just travel to Europe because it is so close and it's, this is going to sound bad, but obviously the difference between American cities is not that dramatic if you compare it from going from London to Paris to Athens to Berlin. They are very, very different places. And I love that about home that you can do that. Now, actually, on to that, because travel is quite important to you. So from a young person, you, know, mm-hmm. you went to university, and then travel kicked in. What caused that? Because you've traveled around. And tell me a bit more about why you like to travel and what's been yep. your highlight. So I think my granny is German, so I was always fascinated from a young age. I would be like, talk to me in German, granny, and I wouldn't have a clue what she was saying to me. Your earlier German accent should have been better then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was always fascinated by foreign languages and understanding that. And then basically, I think I went on a school exchange to Germany and I did one to France. And then that was it. That's what kind of set me off of like, oh, there's all these different cultures, different food, how they do different things and learning about it. So that's kind of really what's inspired my love of travel. And I was lucky enough to live abroad when I did my degree. So I lived in France, Paris for six months, and then I lived in Bavaria for six months as part of my degree. And do you think that's changed your outlook? Because I do think that I love traveling too. You know, I encourage a lot of my team and folks to travel as much as they can because it broadens the mind. Yeah. Do you think it's changed your outlook, your view of people and cultures and different ways of doing things? Yeah, I think it makes you more open to seeing how other people do things. You grow up in your own bubble. You're used to how things are done, how you know, and opening your mind to everybody has a different way. No one's wrong, no one's right. But I think for me, the biggest difference is it gave me more confidence because unbelievably, I was quite shy when I was younger. And then I know, and I remember when I went to France, my town is tiny. I'd never been to a city of that size. And I didn't do the Erasmus place where you got given everything on a plate and you went with your group of friends. I was like, no, I want to go to one that's off book, if you like. So I chose Paris because someone was like, you have the choice to go there. Why wouldn't you go there? It's amazing. And I'd never been. And I always remember took the flight, getting out of the metro and just literally almost thinking, what the hell have I done? And this old man could see and he was like, are you lost? Are you looking for the hostel? I was like, yeah. And he kind of took me, and this was the day, God, this is going to make me sound old, the day before mobile phones, and I was trying to find my own accommodation for a week. And I remember phoning my parents, and my dad was like, I'm going to come out there. I said, no, you will not, because I wanted to do it for myself. And that really kind of made me realize I can do anything for myself. And so then that's why, like, moving to this country from over there didn't faze me. I have this conversation with my children, and they're much older now, but they don't understand. They sort of grew up, phones were coming in when they were in their sort of young teenage years, and so they kind of only understood that. And when you talk about stories around when I would go out, my parents may or may not see me till the next day, and there's no communication Mm -hmm. at all. And we as a family now, we're continually texting each other, we're here, we're over there, we're safe, and they don't understand a world when you don't have that security blanket around you. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what I'm saying here, but I also think it's like, does it make them a bit more independent or does it make them a little bit more insular around that environment? And I don't know what the right answer here is, but I'm just interested in your thoughts on that because it does define you when you have to survive on your own. You have to find your own way. You're not going to get Google Maps to take you down the street. You're going to have to ask someone. You're going to have to work it out yourself. And I always try where possible not to use sat-nav because I think it helps my mind work out where I'm going. And I just sometimes worry that we're too dependent on the tools and the technologies, and therefore it makes us a little bit less effective on our own. Yeah, I mean, I do think, for me, travel's all about just some of the best travel experiences I've had have not been planned. And when you're obsessed with your mobile phone and your Instagram picture and you're following a list, 
you forget to just let go and don't look. I try to put the thing away and put it in a safe if I go yeah. somewhere on holiday exactly so that right. I can try and enjoy the experience and not be glued to that thing because I do find that kind of takes over your life a little yeah. bit. I once got called out by my wife. I went to Moscow on business and there was the sort of trip from the airport to the hotel in downtown Moscow. I got to the hotel and I called my wife and she said, what was Moscow like? And I said, I don't know, because I was on my, in those days, BlackBerry in the entire trip. And she said, are you an idiot? You know, you must put your phone down and absorb yeah. the environment that you're in. So I try to do that where I can. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, like try to turn it off or, you know, I don't know. I mean, I get it. The people are now obsessed with being connected 24-7. Yeah. But yeah, it kind of takes away from the experience. And that's for me, like just wandering around. Sometimes you just discover a square or you discover something that you're like, ooh, what's this? Well, back to your curiosity around when you travel to different cities. And you mentioned around how America has similar cities, et cetera. But one thing that I've done, and I don't know if you've experienced this because you've been a lot in COVID, but I find that, yes, America does look and feel the same. But every state and every city are actually quite proud and different about yeah. what they are. And I always enjoy going to a city and saying, so tell me what is this city famous for? And there's always three things like, you know, they've got the local celebrity stuff here, or they've got this particular bourbon beer when I was in Louisville. There's always something that they're pretty special and excited about or popcorn of a variety yeah. of here. There's always something. Have you found that here as well? To be fair, I haven't really done that much traveling outside of California yet. So that's where <laughs> it's like, it's a massive state. That's why last year I was like, right, for my holiday, I want to go somewhere outside of California. So I haven't really done that much. You know, I've only really done New York, Chicago, Seattle, and that's been it. So I haven't experienced that yet. Although weirdly, I have a map above my gin bar in my house, which is a map of America because I was sick to death. That's when huge. someone would say, oh, Iowa, I'd be like, I know it's in the middle somewhere, but I don't know where. <laughs> and on each of the states, it's got some little right. symbols that I think are the flower, the animal or whatever. So when it goes, someone says the whatever state, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that thing on that picture. <laughs> well, when you become a citizen, because I predict you will be like me and Katie have done, you'll have to learn your 120 questions around the oh, Constitution, right. which we had to do. And we, we passed, Katie, didn't we? Yeah, we sure did. I'm not sure I can remember the answers to any <laughs> of the questions, say, though. <laughs> can you remember the answers? I'll come to you. Back to you as a young man, before I come back to how you got into this industry and what you're doing. So you love to travel. Mm -hmm. I'm also conscious of your more youthful aspirations. So... I was quite fascinated because I find this one fascinating. Like, what did you want to be when you were a young boy? So I always loved dance. So I wanted to be a dancer. <laughs> and I did actually do ballet lessons for a while. But then as soon as people found out, it was like a boy doing ballet. Like you just got you know, Billy Elliot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I still love dancing. As soon as there's any music, I find when I listen to music, people are like, oh, I love the lyrics. And I'm like, I didn't hear the lyrics. I hear the beat. I hear the rhythm. That's what I'm into. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was... So, really... whilst we have been out drinking, I've not seen you move yet. So, no, have you still you got haven't... some rhythm in you? So. I, I have a little bit, although I've done my back in a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I'm like, mm, not allowed to at the moment. Although, my, that's what my boyfriend goes to me. He's like, Shakira, no. <laughs> I, I would love to see you dance, actually. And I think you'd be pretty good. I... I think I've said on prior podcasts, I literally don't have a rhythm or musical tone in me. And I'm told by my family that when I do attempt to dance, that I should stop <laughs> because it's not good. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you have a bit of Next a... Next time we're out, we'll have some drinks and I'll throw some shapes for you. <laughs> <laughs> but did you do any ballet lessons? Well, I did lessons, yes. I did some lessons. But to be honest with you, in the beginning, you don't really do... A lot of it is just the movements and learning the steps. And it's hard work. Did you do it, Coley? Yeah, I did ballet for about 
six years or so, but I was also doing music at the time and it came to a point where I had to make a decision of one over the other and it was a time when if you were too tall in ballet, then you didn't really have a career, so I chose music. Wow. That's an astonishing skill, though, it really is. Yeah, I did the same. I then kind of went into doing more music stuff because, mm-hmm. like, I did, God, I was in the orchestra, I did the piano, mm-hmm. and I did all that stuff when I was at school as well. Wow. Wow. What a talent. And have you kept up with the musical side? No, like, I can always remember doing the great, like, I don't know how they do it here, but you have grade system mm-hmm. in the UK, and I never forget going for my first grade test, and it was in this big, grand house with giant piano, and he's sitting behind the desk. It's the first ever test I can remember mm-hmm. doing. And I remember him pressing the key and be like, I want you to sing this note. And I was like, my throat was so dry. And I was like, ah. anyway, let's try something lower, shall we? And I was still like, ah. anyway, okay, let's, let's just forget about that. Let's count the music, shall we, instead? Speaking of piano and music then, so your claim to fame is that you have met Sir Elton John. Oh, yeah, I have. Tell me about that. That's interesting. So this is when I worked at Getty Images at the time, and it was kind of a friend of a friend used to organise his white ball that he has every year to raise money for his HIV charity. And he rings up and says, oh, this year it's got a Venice theme. Can you sell me some images like at a discounted rate to do these big backdrops? So I sold them to him and I didn't think anything more of it. And then he rings me and he says, oh, he normally always likes to do a thank you gift present thing for the suppliers. And he's done dinners at his house. But he said, but this year he's so busy, he's going to be at this party. And I think it was like the 100th anniversary of Perrier Jouet Champagne or something. So he's like, so he's got you an invite to be able to go. So I'm like, okay. So I turn up and there's like the big red carpet. There's all the step and repeat. And I get out my taxi and all these paparazzi turn. They're like, oh, you'll know what. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, okay. And then I go into this party and it's just, I mean, people here won't know them. They're all like television personalities from the UK. And I get introduced to him and I chat to him. But my favourite memory from that is the Heat magazine is like a trashy magazine, I suppose, like People magazine or something in the UK. And there's these two girl group members standing kind of side by side, sure. but giving each other evils. Yeah. And this photographer walks up and he's like, oh, can I get a shot? And they're like, yes, of course. And they put their arm around each other, take the shot. And it's literally taken, they kind of like, get off me. <laughs> and it was in the press the next day, like best friends, blah and blah. And I was thinking, really? Because I watched that shot being taken. So you see how fake it all can be. <laughs> really, I don't enjoy any of that sort of stuff. But did you actually get to meet him in the... Yeah, no, no. Day? My friend then came over and said, right, have you met him yet? I was like, no, I'm not going to just wander up to him, am I? Because he was always surrounded by people. Sure. And he took me up and he's like, oh, this is Andrew, sold the bit. And he was like, oh, thank you. And he remembered. And he was like, oh, thank you. That was so blah, chatted. I can't even remember what he said. But we talked for like five, ten minutes and then off he went. So He's definitely on my list of people I'd love to meet because he strikes me as being an incredibly good person and yeah. pretty honest about his extremes and where he is. But I'd love to meet the guy. Really yeah. Would. I mean, the fact that he even just invited, you know, I, th- I thought, and the, like he said, he does do dinners at his houses for these suppliers and they're not giving this stuff for free. They're still making some money, but I was like, you don't have to do that. So we need to make sure Tag provides services to Sir Elton John at some point. Okay, <laughs> you must make a moat of that. So we've got to find a way of doing that. So how did you drop into this industry then? It's kind of like a movement. Was it like you were in Getty Images? I can see a link there. But how did you get into our industry? Well, so I did recruitment for a while. Because I moved to London, I just kind of naturally fell into the sales stuff. And then I remember meeting this recruitment consultant. Because when I wanted to get out of recruitment, every recruitment agency I went to was like, you should come and work for us. I'm like, you're not hearing what I'm saying, which is I don't want to do this anymore. And this lady was like, I know the perfect place to send you. And I went for this interview at Getty. And I remember turning, it was like a test day. And I'd wore a suit and nobody, because I was used to recruitment and a lot of our clients were banking. 
And I'm like, I don't belong in here. And I was the only one who got a call back. And then I worked there for five years, right. moved to Corbis for seven, who were their rival. And then when I left, my friend who used to work at Getty then became a recruitment consultant. There's a theme here. Yeah. And she was yeah. the one that said, oh, I've got this company called Taylor James. Would you right. like to go and interview? And obviously, because the clients are very you know, similar agencies, and I yeah. knew a lot of them in London. That's oh, wow. how I ended up in this business. And you've been here since then, so. Yeah, so I've been here. Was it seven or eight years? I can't remember. No. Yeah. That's wonderful. Ask Andrew anything. <laughs> so, Andrew, thank you for your time. This is the part where you get to ask me a question. Okay, so I did have one in mind, but now given our conversation, <laughs> what would be your number one place that you would recommend to visit in this country? In this country? Yeah. Interesting. Um, there are so many great places in this country that I've had the pleasure of going to see. But I think going to the, oh, what's that place called? The desert outside of Vegas where they've got the salt lakes and Death Valley. Sorry. Ah. Death Valley and then seeing where Dante's Inferno was inspired, you know, because you go up and you see it all. It, it, it's astonishing. Hmm. People think it's just a deadbeat place because it's so hot and that, but it's astonishing to go and see. Okay. There's so much beauty in America. I love some of the hikes. I love going to many different places, but Death Valley had a level of something you don't see every day. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll have to make that over there. I don't think that's that far away from where I'm based, actually. <laughs> no, it's not. You should make the trip. It really is a, an astonishing part of the world. It really is. Okay. And then my other thing, because we didn't discuss our love of food, but I love food too. Yes. So what would be your top recommendation to go and eat at in this city? In New York? Yeah. Genre or type of food or? Whichever you like. Well, I want to ask you about a type of food in a minute. <laughs> well, as you know, because I'm a big guy, I love all foods. Okay. And so I have a few current favourites at the moment. So if I fancy Italian, mm -hmm. it's going to be the quality Italian. Mm -hmm. It's very nice. And if I fancy Indian food, then it's a place called Soma in the village. But I generally love all sorts of foods. I was going to ask you if you've got a recommendation for the India, because I've tried in LA, and so far I've not found a good one. <laughs> exactly. The UK has amazing Indian takeaways, and nothing competes. But this is actually a kind of more fancier fare, but it's actually quite good, and so I do recommend it. It's nice to try it, because I remember the first one I ordered, I ordered the little uh, onion salad that you often get with your yeah. poppadoms, and this one came and it was like chopped up big chunks of red onion with chunks of tomato and cucumber. And I was like, this is a Greek salad. It's just missing the feta. I was like, this is not onion, like onion salad. You're going to have to cook your own. Okay. I'll have to get into that then. <laughs> so, Andrew, it's been fabulous talking to you. Thank you. And as I indicated, your kind of passion for the business comes clearly from your recruitment side, that natural curiosity, your immediate likability factor, your keen sense of wit. You know, you make our business a much funner place to be. So thank you so much for everything you do, Andrew. Thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers. Enjoy. Join us soon for another episode of Tag Talk's Happy Hour with Ajit Kara and learn more about the people behind the job titles at Tag. Tag.